There's optimism again in Ottawa after a busy offseason, and the New Jersey Devils seem to be heading in the right direction as well. Meanwhile, the San Jose Sharks have a new GM and a new direction. We've got all that and a lot more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad I could be with you today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show. The co-host of Locked On Senators, Ross Levitan. And Ross, the hunger, the optimism, the excitement is back in Ottawa. What an offseason it has been for this Senators team. Oh, it's been so much fun, Gil. And thanks for having me because, uh, you know, every Tuesday I host the Locked On NHL show with Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. And he doesn't want to hear me wax poetically about the offseason for the Ottawa Senators, especially when they were able to ship off their much injured goaltender, I'll put it to be nice, in uh, Matt Murray uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs on the other side of the Battle of Ontario. But you're right. Optimism is the key word because they haven't accomplished anything yet. You can't win the Stanley Cup in the offseason, but you can certainly set yourself up to be better than you were before. I was just searching up and from the start of the 2017 season, so right after they made that double overtime game seven in the conference final, there are two teams with a worse winning percentage than the Ottawa Senators. They're the Detroit Red Wings and the Seattle Kraken, an expansion team who's played one year in the league. (laughs) So to say that it's been tough times around Ottawa is an understatement, but they certainly flipped the script, and they did it in a variety of ways, not only showing that they're willing to spend money, showing that they're able to attract a top free agent to come to town, and then showing that they're good at re-upping their own in re-signing Josh Norris as well. So they were busy, and, and then on the cherry on top, and we're a hashtag goalie-friendly show at Locked On Senators, they go out there and say, you know what, Anton Forsberg, you were great for us last year. You know what, you earned that three-year extension. You are awesome. But we've got this guy, Philip Gustafson, here. He's on a, a one-way next year. He's 24 years old. He had a great end of the COVID-shortened season, but last year, not great. Not great. And he'd probably tell you the same thing. Now, do I think he's going to bounce back and long-term be good? Yes. But next year, to show, again, a guy like Claude Giroux before he signed, they're like, no, we need a veteran. So they go out there and get Cam Talbot, one-for-one one trade with the Wild with uh, with Philip Gustafson. A trade I think is going to work out for both teams, but immediately that just adds that extra layer of credibility around the league that the rebuild is over. I know Pierre Dorian said that probably a year too early when he was out in the media and he was torched for it. But if you see any of these videos, Gil, and they just go over to the at Senators uh, social media account on Twitter or Instagram, they've been posting these behind the scenes videos of Giroux coming in and, and checking out the CTC for the first time. Same with the Brinkett. And like the joy in Pierre Dorian's uh, voice is palpable. You can honestly just feel uh, a thousand pound weight being lifted off his shoulders because he's an Ottawa guy. He's a proud local citizen. And he, his name has just been dragged through the mud over these last five years. And now you can actually see on paper 
this team, and I'm not saying they're Stanley Cup favorite, but this team finally has a legitimate direction going the right way. And, and it's super exciting to see because a lot of the fans were, they felt kind of alienated over the last few years, whether it was something that the owner said or the way that name your favorite player. Yeah. He's traded type thing. Like the, the Carlson's, the stones, the Duchesne's, the Hoffman's like the list goes on and on and on the tourists and, and on. It, it really feels like the new era is here and that it's going to be set up for success for a long period of time. It's always tough for fans when they invest emotionally in a player and then that player is gone uh, time after time after time. Out of all the moves that this team has made, which one for you was the most important that sort of changed the the picture the most? Yeah, it's got to be Alex Dabrinkit. Like you bring in a two-time 40-goal scorer. And not only that, he's 24 years old. And you yeah. can just tell from the reaction of Jack Bushman over at Locked On Blackhawks and all their fans, like, what were they doing? Even if you're going to rebuild, this seems like the type of guy that you rebuild around. Like what's the average rebuild four years. He'll be 28 years old. He'll be still in his prime. So it just felt like a really strange dynamic. I know he's got one year left on his deal, still an RFA for one more year. And yes, that $9 million salary is a lot, but this guy is a sniper. People said he was carried in junior because his first year with the Erie Otters, he played with Connor McDavid. Don't know if you heard of him. Pretty good hockey player. I've heard of him. Man. You know what he did the next couple of years? Put up even better numbers without him. But it was still, it just felt so strange because obviously he's an undersized guy, right? And uh, so, so you look at, I'm just pulling up his last year. So after his second season, 51 goals, 101 points in 60 games. And that's without Connor McDavid. He had already been drafted first overall and turned pro. How does a guy with 51 goals in 60 games go 39th overall in the draft? So still had his doubters. In his third year in junior, he had 65 goals in 63 games. So again, showing that he can do it without the help of, you name your all-star here. And then now we're hearing the same thing because he played primarily with with Patrick Kane over the last few seasons in Chicago. Don't get me wrong. If you watch the Alex DeBrinkett highlight reel skill, there's a lot of number 88 make it some oh, yeah. nice feeds in it. But I think to be a good player, you have to be able to play with good players and his hockey IQ is off the charts. And the senators have their top line. Maybe it becomes their second line, depending on how to fits in, but they have one line locked in stone. And that's Josh Norris with Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson. They were, they were dangerous even last year when they didn't have any secondary scoring, but then they've got this third overall pick, Tim Stutzla, who really came into his own point per game player after the new year from January on last season, moved over to center, still young. He's a playmaker, though. Who does he need? A guy to get the puck to. And I think the generous scouting reports in his draft said he's got a bit of Patrick Kane in him. A little Patrick Kane, a little Matthew Barzell as well to to kind of put an Islander spin. But like that shifty playmaker, can, but needs a guy to to come in here and finish. And he was playing with Adam Gaudet and Alex Formanton at times this year. And don't get me wrong, I love especially Formanton, good energy, third-line player. But to get a guy like Alex to bring it, you elevate not only himself, but you elevate his line mates and kind of going hand in hand. You don't get Claude Giroux, I don't think, unless you make that trade for Alex to bring it because that showed him as a pending free agent. Like, yeah, it's nice to come home. And we spoke about how good that story is when we talked on Wednesday. But now he's like, okay, I'm not going there for a retirement home. I'm going there to help legitimize 
this top six. And I assume he'll start on the right side. And what's beautiful about Claude Giroux is that he's a 60% face-off guy. Tim Stutzel really su- suffered in the dot last year. We know young guys do, but I think he's like 30%. So you can right. have Giroux take those important face-offs in the offensive zone and then just switch during the play so that Stutzel's playing down the middle where he can facilitate a bit better. But long-windedly, to answer your question, it's Alex Dabrinkit because it was the first move. It also didn't cost them anything off their roster. Yeah, some high draft picks, but nothing off their roster. No prospects. It just felt like an absolute home run. It took the pressure off Dorian, and everything else is just kind of built off of that success. What briefly do the Senators need to do from here to get ready for this season and shore things up? Yeah, they still need to work on the back end. Like I mentioned off the top, Cam Talbot, great acquisition to be a 1A guy. I don't think at this point in his career, 35 years old, he's going to play 60 games. You know, he played like 68 games one year in Edmonton. Like, you're not going to be doing that at, at 35 years old. But if he can come in and carry the mail for 50, 55 games, maybe. Uh, I think that would be enough up front. We just talked about their top six and then they got a couple of young guys, Shane Pinto, Ridley Gregg coming up. So I think there is going to be that second wave behind that legitimate top six that can come in and give them secondary scoring. But on defense, Pierre Dorian has made no secret. He's looking for a right side D the names that have been thrown out there. Jacob Chikrin. We know that Arizona is holding out with a pretty steep price. And why wouldn't they three years yeah. left on that deal? 4.6 million. AAV. That's a, that's a great contract. Anyway, you slice it. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, another local kid. He's got one year left, but you're like, Hey, why would Florida move him? Even though there's one year left, aren't they contending? Shouldn't they right. have him as a piece of that? So I, I'm a little confused about what's going to have to go out to bring back in. John Klingberg would be the free option, at least asset wise, because he's the UFA, but I don't know which way they're going to go. John Marino is a name that was thrown out, but obviously he's already changed zip codes now heading to New Jersey. So to me, it's a right side defenseman. And then Matthew Joseph acquired in the Nick Paul trade at the trade deadline. He just filed for arbitration today. So they can still negotiate between now and then. But if that goes to arbitration, a second buyout period opens. And I would be curious to see if Nikita Zaitsev isn't on that list. I think the Sens believe they could trade him now that his bonus was paid out this year. But he is not only an anchor on the ice to whoever he's playing with, but that contract is also really showing to be tough to move. So the back end needs a bit of massaging and then the optimism will probably need to be reined in. But right now, yeah, I'd say uh, the forwards and goaltending, I'm confident going into the season that this could be a playoff team, but right now the decor still needs a little bit more work. All right, Ross, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you, where they could find the podcast? Yeah, for sure. Well, we always appreciate everyone on uh, YouTube as well. Locked on NHL is on its way to a thousand subscribers. It's going to be awesome when we get to hit that, but locked on senders, you can find right there anywhere you get audio podcasts as well. Uh, we like to mix it up a little bit on Twitter too. You can follow us there at send central and yeah, it's, it's really feeling like the page is being turned in, in Ottawa, which is great to see. Like uh, I think unless you're a Toronto or a Montreal fan, you want to see hockey succeed everywhere in Canada. And uh there's been some lean years, right? Especially uh, in, in Ontario. The last playoff series win in Ontario was in 2017. Don't have to tell you who it is. We could keep going back till 04 uh, until that had to change sides. But uh, no, in all in all seriousness, it's uh, it's just fun that there's enthusiasm around this team now. So uh, we're trying to kind of be a voice for the fan base from that aspect and reflect that in, in the excitement that we have surrounding the team. Sounds good. Ross, I know you guys will have it all covered at Send Central. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
appreciate it, man. And hopefully Lou gives you guys something to talk about here one of these days. Hey, with the Islanders, he'll hold out, but he'll get you a little something, I bet. I think so, too. All right. Thanks, Ross. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball. And you've got futures on the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, tennis, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad to be with you today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. My pleasure to welcome back to the show, Trey Matthews, the host of Locked On Devils. And uh, Trey, been a busy offseason for your team. And uh, Andre Palat, the latest addition. Your preliminary thoughts on Palat joining uh, the Devils in Newark. I'm going to correct you before I give you my opinions. Uh, we got Marino from the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's true. That, that was our latest deal because we traded, excuse me, we traded away Ty Smith and a third round uh, draft pick in next year's uh, draft. But um, Andre Pilat, he was Plan B. But like I said before the re- before the recording, there's like hundreds of free agents, and uh, you know if you don't get your top option, which you and I both know who the top uh, guy was, it was Johnny Hockey. Obviously, he decided to go to Columbus. So, a little frustrating, a little heartbreaking, and, you know, a lot of negative feedback on on, on my end, but still uh, digressing a little bit. Um, you know, Andre Pilat, I, I think what Andre Pilat can definitely provide for New Jersey Devils is something they've been missing is leadership because who's the leader? Because you got Jack Hughes, you got Nico Heischer, you got uh, Jesper Bratt, and you, you got Dougie Hamilton, P.K. Subban, Damon Severson. Yes, you can argue and say that all those guys – are leaders in their own ways. But, you know, outside of our baby big three, uh, they, they got to focus on themselves. Like Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes, they got to focus on their respective games because they're still very young. Not That's not a disrespect towards our captain, Nico Heischer, obviously, but they still have a lot of work to do. But the difference between Andre Pilat, Damon Severson, Dougie Hamilton, and P.K. Subban is that Andre Pilat has actually won something. Back-to-back, nonetheless. And He's played his entire career with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, during his early tenure there, they were rebuilding. So it's just like if anyone knows how to rally the troops, if anyone knows how to, you know, pull someone up from the bootstraps, it's Andre Palat. And I feel as though that's what he's going to provide mostly, and I think he'll be a solid addition to the second line paired alongside with Nico Heischer. What are the odds you think he gets uh, a letter on his sweater? Oh, you know, I haven't even thought about that. That's actually a very good question. Um, hmm. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure it, it would be something they would be talking about internally uh, at the organization, but I'm sure his name will be brought up. But I, you know, obviously Nico Heischer is the captain. Then you got Jack Hughes and, you know, Jesper Bratt more likely than not will be signed to his extension. And, um, you know, then you got to put him into the mix as well. 
Dougie Hamilton, who's already been with the organization for a year. Damon Severson already has an A on his uh, on his sweater. So uh, I would say it's possible, but I wouldn't put my money on it. Fair enough. John Marino, you mentioned earlier, what does he add to the mix on the blue line? Uh, he adds solid defensive production. Now, I haven't talked about it on my show yet, but the, the fact of the matter is this. John Marino will definitely be a good addition for New Jersey Devils. He could definitely pass. He could create for others. He knows how to uh, establish himself on the defensive side of things. Uh, doesn't produce that much offense, but, you know, so do uh, a few other Devils players like Jonas Siegenthaler. But nonetheless, Siegenthaler is one of our best defensemen. But the more disappointing thing is, like, Ty Smith. Like, I was really hoping that he could have a bounce back year uh, in his third year in the league. It's kind of sad to see him go. But, you know, it does raise a red flag saying, do the New Jersey Devils know how to develop their prospects correctly? Because Ty Smith had a solid rookie year. But then come his sophomore year, there were more lowlights than highlights. And I even predicted in a few of my episodes, I said, he's got to be a healthy scratch because he's not contributing uh, enough for New Jersey Devils. And lo and behold, sometimes he was a healthy scratch and sometimes he was a non-factor. So it's disappointing to see Ty Smith go. But the fact that, you know, we get Marino added to this uh, roster and the fact that he's coming from an organization like the Pittsburgh Penguins and the fact that he's already established himself on the defensive side of things, really looking forward to it. And uh, going back to Andre Pilat, definitely there to provide the experience, the leadership, and also just contribute on the second line with Nico Heischer. So, you know, while it wasn't the home run I was looking for this offseason, I still think it was a pretty solid day in the office or a couple days in the office for Tom Fitzgerald and company. So what, between now and the start of training camp, what other moves, if any, do you anticipate that the Devils are looking to make? Get a winger. Get a scoring winger. Look at William Nylander. Look at JT Miller. Look at Patrick Laine. Look, look at all those guys. Like, just question, question, question. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, see if you could get one of those guys to come to the organization via a trade, something. Like, I know, you know, basically JT Miller and, and um, Patrick Laine. I know the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Vancouver Canucks have said that their plans are to keep their respective players, but wouldn't hurt to ask. You, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I feel as though the New Jersey Devils, if they legitimately want to improve so much compared to last year, add another scoring option. Okay, so Andre Pilat, that's a good first step in the right direction. Get somebody else. Like, I, I just want another top six contributor for a Devil, someone who I know can give me a point per game at least, or somewhere close in that ballpark. So more scoring depth and more options for a top six. So get a winger. And as far as the goaltending situation, we know it was a little messy last year, to say the least. Uh, how do you think it shapes up this year right now? Okay. So they said that Mackenzie Blackwood is healthy and ready to go. That's great. But the problem was that Mackenzie Blackwood's career was sort of heading on the same trajectory as Corey Schneider which was, you know, he gets injured a lot, doesn't have a suitable backup. We have to rely on him too much. I am hoping and praying that Vitek Vanacek, while he hasn't been in the league for too long, he's that answer to just, you know, give um, give Mackenzie Blackwood that suitable backup. We tried with Corey Crawford. We tried with Jonathan Bernier. We'll see if Jonathan Bernier will be the third string goalie this season. We'll see what his health is at this point. But I really hope that, uh, Vitek Vanacek is that guy 
that the New Jersey Devils can rely on. And I talked about it in a silly season episode because I was like, who do we pursue? Do we pursue Brayden Holpe? Do we pursue Darcy Kemper? Do we pursue VTech Vancheck? I said the more realistic option or the option that I would go with was VTech Vancheck, and I got it right. So uh, hopefully VTech Vancheck can be that answer for New Jersey Devils. And, you know, can his stat – I don't know if his stats are going to improve just because we're not the Washington Capitals, but we'll see what happens. All right. Well, look, I think one thing I think we can agree on, the Devils are a better team now than they were two, three weeks ago. And uh, you think they have a legitimate shot at the playoffs this year right now? Ceiling is the wild card. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. That, that's the ceiling is just get a wild card spot because your team, the Islanders, getting a little up there in age. I know you guys got a little younger, but you guys were the oldest team in the entire league last year. Washington Capitals up there with you guys in age and then Pittsburgh Penguins, same thing. Like, you know, don't let the trade distract you from the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are getting older and older and older. And then the Philadelphia Flyers are a hot mess. And then the Columbus Blue Jackets, youngest team in the NHL. Now, since we made these signings, since we made these trades, whatever the case might be, the New Jersey Devils went from being the youngest team in the NHL to now jumping about six spots ahead in that category. So we're no longer the youngest team in the NHL. I, albeit we're still relatively young, but I think we're in the 25th uh, position last time I checked on elite prospects. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. All right, uh, Trey, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? You can find me wherever you get your podcast from, Apple, uh, Spotify. Once again, wherever you get your podcast from, at Locked On Devils on Twitter. And also subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, road to 1,000 subscribers before opening night. So help me achieve that goal. And uh, you can find me at Trey Matt 4. So T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T and the number four. All right, Trey, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, Gil. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, J.D. Young, the host of Locked On Sharks. It's been a very busy offseason in San Jose. J.D., thanks for stopping by tonight. Uh, no problem. Yeah, it's been basically an entire offseason shoved into two weeks for the Sharks. It's, it's been pretty fun. <laughs> you're, you're, let, let's start at the beginning. Uh, your thoughts on Mike Greer and, and his hiring as GM and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, Mike Greer, you know, of course, being the first uh, the first black general manager in NHL history, um, you know, he's doesn't have too, too much when it comes to front office experience, but he's been around hockey his whole life, you know, knows a lot of people, was working with the Rangers uh, before getting hired by the Sharks, you know, coached for a while too, scouted. So he's kind of got a nice little bit of everything that he can to pull from. So, and he's been very, you know, kind of clear about with the Sharks where we might, ha- we're going to have to take a step back to take steps forward, which is something we have not heard from the Sharks in a long time. They've been very, we're not rebuilding. We're not rebuilding. We're not, you know, we're going to retool. We're going to try to keep this core together. But Mike Greer in his opening press conference said, you know, sometimes you have to take a step back to take steps forward. And we've seen that now, you know, trading away Brent Burns and, you know, who is a kind of a long time shark and now, you know, continuing to try to, work with this this tough cap situation and, and try to find some flexibility with the cap. How strange will it be not seeing Brent Burns in Teal this fall? Uh, it's going to take some getting used to. Um, 
you know, Burns has been there, you know, for for over you know eleven seasons with the Sharks. Hadn't missed a game since the 2013-2014 season. My dog is drinking right now, uh, <laughs> so she's, you know it's 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 going to be really weird not seeing Burns back there patrolling the blue line. Um, but you know it's he's 37. He wants to win a cup. The Sharks aren't going to win a cup in the next three years, and it's good for him to go to a team to try to win a cup. You know we've we've gone through Patty Marlowe trying to win a cup, wasn't able to. Joe Thornton go win a cup, not able to. Joe Pavelski, go win a cup, not able to. One for four, right? We can hope for one for four. (laughs) (laughs) What are your initial thoughts about the decision by Greer to say, we're going to rebuild. We're going to take a step back to take two steps forward because, like you mentioned, the Sharks have not admitted that uh, over the last few years, and a lot of people felt they should have gone that route. Your thoughts on what Greer is trying to do right now? Yeah, I mean, I've been very, you know, vocal that this thing should have been torn down a long time ago, you know. Um, and I don't know. I don't think he said they're not going to go full like Coyotes rebuild, you know, like burn this thing to the ground and then try to start over type of situation. But um, and you you can't really with the contracts they have, especially, you know, you just signed Thomas Hurdle eight years. Um, he's 28 right now. You still have uh, Carlson for the next, you know, five years. Vlasic's on the book for the next four years. Um, you know, Couture's on the book for the next, you know, four to uh, five years now. So you can't really, a lot of these contracts you can't move off without attaching major assets. And then that's just going to set you back even further in, in your rebuild. So, um, but, you know, I mean, trying to kind of take the team in a diff- different direction. It's what the Sharks have needed. They've They've kind of been in a very me kind of creamy middle where they don't know if they're they're not quite good enough to make the playoffs but they're not good enough to fully tank and i I think taking a step back this year especially what's supposed to be a very loaded draft class and trying to find that potential superstar to to pair with william Eklund um for the future is, is is the best thing the sharks could do this year what do you expect the team to do between now and the start of training camp to to get ready for this season uh, I mean, they're, they're still the Vlasic issue. They might be able to buy him out there. They, they have arbitration now with two other players. So that opens up that second buyout window. Um, but I would expect them to, you know, they, they still have to kind of make some decisions on, you know, they have three goalies and Aiden Hill, Capo uh, Kakin and, and James Reimer. You know, so I expect one of those guys to be moved um, before the season starts, because I don't think you can realistically go into the season with, with three goal NHL caliber goalies on your roster. Um, you know, and, and Kevin LeBanc is, there's been questions of maybe potentially trading him and then redeem Shimmick, you know, who doesn't seem like he's going to be much uh, longer on the, on the roster for the sharks, especially with his two years, I think it's like $2.25 million contract where you might have to attach an asset to get rid of him. And so, yeah, they, they saw some decisions and of course they're still looking for a head coach. Uh, they're, they're starting little their, details. their head, little details there. So. Um, they're starting their, their head coach search now. I think they're uh, interviewing Joe Sacco, who was assistant coach for the Bruins um, previously, was also uh, the Avalanche head coach way back in the day, too. So, yeah, so Greer is kind of behind the eight ball there with trying to put a, put together a staff now, um, as a lot of the coaches have already been kind of plucked off the, the market. Your thoughts about what direction they should go in as far as a head coach is concerned, what style of coach they should be looking for? Uh, preferably I want like an NHL type of coach, someone who's worked with a lot of young players, um, especially because the Sharks have a lot of 
young players. I mean, they, they started the most rookies in the NHL last season. Um, their 2020 draft class, which looks like they might potentially get three, four, even five NHL caliber players out of it. Um, they're on the, the San Jose Sharks Barracuda team now. Um, so somebody who can work with these players and kind of put these young guys in the position to succeed and let them kind of grow and, and you know, really try to get the most out of these players. So um, that that's the direction I would want, you know, um, maybe like uh, like the Lightning's AHL coach or, you know, I know his name's been kind of thrown out around, but it'll most likely be a retread because that's the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Wanted to briefly touch about the passing of Brian Marchment. I know that was uh, very upsetting and I'm sure, you know, Sharks fans were were very shocked by it and, and NHL fans in general. I mean, he was a part of this league and, and a good part of this league for a while. What did he mean to the Sharks organization and what can you tell us about, you know, his Yeah, life? it's, you know, you you hear from basically every prospect, every player about how much he, he meant to them, you know, NHL players saying like they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. And, you know, I think especially the way he worked with like the, the prospects and kind of helped them come along, you know, and everyone said he was one of the hardest players to play against on the ice, but one of the nicest people off the ice. And, you know, uh, one of the coolest things that the Sharks did was actually with their, um, their, their development camp, you know, of course, every team has like a, pro, a scrimmage game. Um, they actually, they, they switched it to a three on three, you know, kind of round robin tournament with the winner, uh, the winning team, they actually have a Brian Marchment trophy now. So like there's this awesome photo of, of Brandon Coe holding this trophy up above his head after his team won in. I, I thought that was a really nice touch and hopefully, you know, it's something that can kind of take off and, and mean something for, you know, these prospects as they come in and, you know, being able to, to, to win it as kind of just a nice little thing to kind of hang your hat on around the facility. JD, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Uh, of course, you can find the podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey. You can subscribe on YouTube as well. And you can find me on Twitter at MyFryHole. All right, JD, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, Gil. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guests, Ross Levitan of Locked On Senators, Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils, and J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks. Don't forget, we'll be here all week on Locked On NHL with the biggest stories from around the league just for you. So make sure you join us for that. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.